Hello everyone! Welcome back to Money Awakenings. I am your host, DJ Khaled. Another one. Kidding. In a good mood. Uh, my name is Larry Morrison. I'm the financial shaman. I'm the alchemist. And today we're out for another walk on a beautiful summer morning. And I imagine you with me as I'm just going to rant for a little while. <sighs> what came through this morning? I woke up with, you know, when I wake up, I'm uh, a little groggy in the mornings, as I'm sure most people are. I don't drink coffee, though, so I don't, I never have liked caffeine or stimulants in any way. Um, so I kind of just am groggy. I go for walks, take shower, write. Uh, but today I decided to meditate, uh, which I haven't done for a while. <clears throat> and, um, which is funny because I used to be such a staunch meditator, uh, almost religiously, um, even up to two hours a day for a while I did that. And then there was a part where I did three hours a day. It was like, an hour in the morning, an hour at night, or whatever, an hour in the afternoon. But um, I haven't done it for a while because I've just been practicing coming back to the now. So let's start with meditation. What is it? At, at its core, all meditation, no matter what kind you do, is simply bringing your conscious awareness back to the present moment. So in that regard, it's just being 100% present. And when your mind starts to wander, you bring it, you gently bring it back or let go of what you're thinking and bring it back to the, bring your conscious awareness back to the now, uh, back to the here and now. And um, I am a big, 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 big supporter of having a piece of your conscious awareness on your heart at all times while meditating. I, I do heart meditations. Um, because the next wave of evolution is through the heart and you need to be able to isolate and listen to your heart, uh, it is a great way to do that if you can put your conscious awareness on your heart while meditating. Um, or, you know, your breathing is fine too. Uh, nothing wrong. There's no wrong way to meditate. Again, it's just bringing back your conscious awareness to the now. And... Um, I think I don't have to go into how important it is. That ability to bring your awareness back to the now is paramount to unblocking wealth. It is paramount to living a fruitful life. Because when your mind wanders and your ego pulls you into the imagination and you start to freak out about all the things you're seeing in the nightmare of, ah, oh, I might not have enough money or my kids are going to hate me or whatever... Like when your imagination starts to wander and, and go into worst case scenarios, yeah, sure, your emotions are a great indicator uh, to wake up, but the ability to move back to the now rather quickly is extremely important. It's not that you never think. Like a lot of people, uh, because of Eckhart Tolle, who I love and I'm not in any way talking down about, but because of people take it to the extreme, you know, they read The Power of Now or they watch... Eckhart talk, or, you know, any um, 
guru or anything like that. And they think the, the point is to be completely in the now at all times. <clears throat> they take it to an extreme. I disagree. I don't want you to be completely in the now at all times. I want you to get back to the now quickly, as fast as possible, if you find that you're wandering too far in the imagination towards stressful thoughts, okay? Um, we need to be able to use the imagination. It's just most people are not in control of their imagination. The ego is. So meditation and coming back to the now rather quickly is extremely important when your ego is in control um, because the ego has no power in the present moment. It only has power in the, in the future or the past, um, which is solely found in your imagination. Uh, <clears throat> memory is uh, run by the imagination as well. 50% um, of all memories are uh, inaccurate, which means they're imagined differently. But that has to do with perception. I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole. But anyway, memory and imagination are the same thing, basically. Because you can remember something and then imagine it differently and then change it. Rewrite the past. Anywho, so meditation is extremely important in playing this game. And, I, and when I say meditation, what I'm going to do is I'm going to say it this way. There's traditional meditation and non-traditional meditation. Traditional meditation is simply sitting with your eyes closed in a quiet space. Um, and focusing on your breath, staying in the present moment, releasing any thoughts that come. Or, you know, I like the analogy of just watching, watching the um, thoughts float by you, right? Like leaves on a river, just floating by. Instead of being hooked by hooking your attention on every single one of them, right? You just kind of watch them. Um, either way, what you're doing is you're sitting in the consciousness, you're receding back to the consciousness in the present moment, and that conscious awareness is just watching thought go by, letting it go. And, you know, of course, it's going to hook your attention, and then you just, oh, I'm thinking again, and you just let it go, right? Come back to the present moment, focus on the breath. That's traditional meditation is just sitting with your eyes closed in a quiet space. Non-traditional meditation, then, would be anything that brings your conscious awareness back to the present moment um, without sitting in a quiet space with your eyes closed. You can have a walking meditation, right? You could be out for a walk and just being in nature and... Um, Paying attention to the, the sounds and sights and not thinking, right? Always just focusing on the breath or the birds or the insects or the stream or the wind, right? This is non-traditional meditation. You're just walking and not thinking. Now, what most people get hung up on, before I go further into traditional, non-traditional, what most people get hung up on is they blame themselves for thinking. As if they're in control of the thoughts. You're not trying to control thought and you're not trying to stop it either. This will only make things more difficult. Trying to control thought is like trying to grab water with your bare hands. 
that's not it's not even not possible it's futile and it only makes you frustrated you cannot control thought you can control the imagination but not thought in general your job is not to control it it's to examine it and see if it's something you want to entertain which again is why Meditation is so important because you don't want to entertain every entertain every fucking thought that comes through your mind, right? So the ability to let go of thoughts that you don't want to entertain is paramount to self-discovery and to this game. Because if you are hooked by every thought that you think, you're going to go insane. And that's what you see a lot of narcissists and sociopaths do. Or you see it with young children, too, sometimes, um, who are starved for attention. You know, they're constantly just talking with no filter. That is uh, going to drive you nuts, basically, if you don't have a way to come back to the present moment. More presence means more inner peace, basically. Um... So where was I? Oh, you don't want to try to control it and you don't want to try to stop it. The idea is to focus on the gap between the thoughts. If you meditate long enough and you're constantly releasing it, and when you catch yourself thinking, it's important not to shame yourself. It's important not to beat yourself up because that only makes things worse. It's like quicksand and you're struggling to quicksand, you're going to sink faster. You just gently and lovingly come back to the present and let go. You can start to use the words no thank you. Like if something came in and it was like, <laughs> I got a tax bill yesterday. If I was meditating and it was like, oh, I got to do the, no, no thank you. Just no thank you. And you come back to the now and you say, or I sometimes like when I think about the future when I'm meditating, I'm like, no thank you. I, <laughs> when it's time to think about that, I will. You know, it's not time right now. I'm meditating, right? So those are just things I do. You don't have to do those. But I like to just, you know, release them and and say no thank you. Um, Or, you know, I'll think about this later. Um, But it's important not to beat yourself up when you catch yourself thinking. Now, going back to the gap... What you got to understand is... Every piece of music has gaps between the notes, okay? The gaps are what make the music. Like, if it didn't have a gap between notes, it would just be like, right? So it has to have gaps between the notes so that you hear the notes in sequential order. Your thoughts are no different. Um... They also have gaps, though it might be, they might be tiny, just like if you're listening to music, you can't really, you have to really hyper-focus on, oh, there is a, a blank space between, it's just, you know, so momentary, so in, almost instantaneous that you don't even see it. Well, that's what you have to get really, really good at focusing on when it comes to meditation, when your thoughts, is to um, focus on the gap between the thoughts right maybe you're just meditating and you're breathing and then it's like oh i gotta run that errand later and then i gotta go by the bank and then like that 
that moment in between the thoughts. When you focus on the, the, the gaps, they become more and more and more. But this takes practice and time, right? To the point where nowadays when I meditate, I think about, you know, if I meditate for 30 minutes, I think about like five to 10 things max. There's so much gap. There's so much gap. Now, thought still comes and I lovingly release it, right? And I still get hooked by it. Like, oh, 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 I'm thinking. No, thank you, you know. And go back to the breath or to the now or what have you, to my heart. But um, the gap is what you want to focus on. And you're doing your best to get the gap bigger and bigger and wider and wider and wider. Until the point where your ego starts to freak out that there's nothing going on. That's when you know you're doing really good meditation. Which is counterintuitive because you're like, wait, you're saying if there's a part of me freaking out because it's silent, that's good? Yes. Because you get to see that that's not you. You're the conscious awareness. You're just the one being. It's the one freaking out, right? Which you could argue is the whole point of meditation, which I'm not going to argue, but... Um, it's just to unidentify with the thoughts you are not the thoughts because if thought stops which is exactly what we're talking about you don't cease to exist right your life doesn't end if your thoughts stop so you're not your thoughts and that's what the whole point of meditation is is just to unidentify with the thought um so anyway, what I really wanted to focus on, I had a, a, a client not oh, over a year ago now, I guess it hasn't been a year, wow, and um, she made a goal, I didn't, I asked her to up her meditation game, you know, she was meditating like 15, 20 minutes a day, I asked her up to up it to an hour while we were working together, and then she got this inspiration to meditate for four hours a day. In 90 days, it completely transformed her life, completely shattered her world apart. And she was teaching me shit. Not that all my clients don't teach me stuff. Um, I always learn from them. But she was like, when she was like delivering message to me from her meditation. Like, wow, okay, thank you. I needed to hear that. So um, <clears throat> the reason I bring that up. It's because she found out the same thing I found out when you start to meditate heavily. Um, is that non-traditional meditation can, is just as good. So when you medit traditional meditate heavily, you know, you know, if it's over an hour a day, then it starts to seep into your day-to-day -day life. Like you'll just be washing dishes and noticing you're not thinking. Or you'll be cooking and then you'll bring your conscious awareness back to what you're doing, right? And again, you're not trying to meditate all day. That's not the point. But non-traditional meditation is extremely important as well. So let's talk about that. I think one of the most important non-traditional meditations is play. Um, in our society today, play has been so bastardized and um, 
huh, where do I even begin with this subject? It has been so downright made to be evil. Like, basically, the ego has taken control of... It's in control of the planet right now, and that's fine, because it's not going to be that way forever. But it's taking control, and it says that if you're not being productive, then you're worthless, right? Your worth is tied to how much you can produce. And so play has no value. Except that if you don't play, you will die fast. Because there's nothing to live for. It's, if it's all accomplishments, if it's all work, you're going to be like Kiroshi. You're going to be like the Japanese who worked themselves to death, right? So people say, and then when it comes to play, most people only let themselves play if they've worked hard that day. It's the old work hard, then play hard. Like, you have to give permission to play. But what's fascinating is when you come into this world as a child, you're playing constantly. Everything is play. And you're taught, or rather brainwashed, to into working and putting play on the back burner. This is why school takes so long. Why the fuck does it take, what, 15, so 5 to 18, so 13 years. Why the fuck does it take 13 years to give you basic understanding of reading, writing, and arithmetic? And some science, maybe. Why does it take 13 years? Because they are domesticating play out of the child to turn them into workers. This is, like... Common knowledge, you study education at all, goes back to John D. Rockefeller in the early in 1900, early 1900s, who transformed the education system in order to make factory workers for his factories. He was the richest man of the world at the time. Uh, so it doesn't take much to see that, like. The main difference between children and adults is a lack of play. Or is this extreme contrast between how much they play. Uh. That's the, one of the most ex- obvious differences in a, chil- a child to an adult. So much lack of play. But what you, when you study non-traditional meditation, like we're talking about now, when you're playing fully... You're completely immersed in what you're doing. Like when you're fully into playing a game, I don't care if it's a video game or a board game or a game on your phone or um, whatever, you, you know, even if it's, you know, you're skateboarding or something. I have my, my new one wheel, which I love. It's like a, it's like a motorized land-based snowboard. And uh, I was on that thing and I was completely like, in it right you're completely in the now focused only on what you're doing when you play when you're fully focused right if you're playing on your cell phone while watching tv and also making dinner right you're like not completely focused in the game but my point is when you're fully in play you lose like all sense of time right that's meditation. Well, and technically it's kind of like flow, and we'll talk about flow in a minute, but 
Um, when you're fully immersed in play, you're completely in the here and now. Everything else, all the ego's bullshit falls away, unless you're, you know, hyper-competitive or something. Which is a whole nother... I mean, we could talk about that. Um... Because that's one of the ways the ego sabotages play, is becoming competitive. Like, if you go bowling or golf or something, like those are some of my favorites, and you're having a good time and you're, you know, in nature, if you're golfing or whatever, and then you get, like, hung up on the... This happened to me the other day when I was bowling with my sweetheart, my soulmate, Jess. You know, we're having a good time, we're high-fiving, we don't care about the score, and then all of a sudden, around the fifth or sixth frame, I, she's beating me, and she's better bowler than I am anyway, but, like, she's beating me, and I got competitive. And I was like, and then I it started to lose the sense of play, and started to be about losing, and how, you know, I didn't want that. And, and then it took me to around... I think I actually went almost all the way to the 10th frame to where I realized that I was doing that. And I was like, why am I, I'm losing connection with play itself, the energy of play or the non-traditional meditation of just being here now and just having a good time, right? So that the competition energy is how, and like the fear of loss and the hope of gain and the roller coaster of, oh, how are, people are going to love me and I want to be the best and all that. All that shit is nonsense. When you look at children, they don't give a shit about winning and losing. They just want to, they just enjoy the game. They just like to play. And when you see a hyper-competitive child, it's usually because their parents are that way. And they've absorbed it from them, right? So, anyway, play is so sorely needed. More and more play. Like, if I was your energy healer, I'd be like, I prescribe to you more play. Because what, let me ask you this, what's the difference between sitting down for an hour in non-traditional meditation and, versus going bowling for an hour? What's the difference? The only difference is are you focused one, as much as you can be in the present moment? When you were playing the bowling or whatever, or when you're playing for the hour. What's the difference? If both of them bring you back to the now and gently release thought when it comes up, then it's both meditation. Now games and play is really good, like I said, to uncover the ego trying to sabotage yourself through competitiveness or worried about failure or trying to achieve, you know, some high score or some shit, right? But that's no different than when you're sitting in traditional meditation and you watch your ego freak out because nothing's happening. You can't just sit here for an hour. You have shit to do. That's what medita traditional meditation exposes, one of many things. So play could do the same thing. So what's the difference? Now you could see like, wow, maybe I could incorporate both. Maybe I do a little bit of traditional meditation or keep your traditional meditation practice if you have one. I don't want to mess with it. 
and then add on a little bit of play and now you're meditating more hours in the day if you're fully immersed in the game. Play is extremely important. Extremely important. When I coach business clients, like my entrepreneur clients, I have to typically undo workaholism. Because I've talked about workaholism before, but what ends up happening is you forget why you're doing it, right? You're trying, you're constantly trying to start a business. So you're saying like, Oh, I need to work a lot. And it's like, wait a minute. The whole idea of having your own business is to be able to play whenever you want to. At least that's the reason I want to have one. So why wouldn't you start incorporating that right away? Like, what do you, you're listening to me, which means in some regard you want to manifest money, right? Or have a better relationship with money or feel better about money or feel more at ease and less worry about money, which of course will lead to more abundance. But if you're listening to me and you want to try to manifest more money, the whole point of more money is to have more play to go along with it. To have more free time to play or spend time with your kids or whatever it is, travel or what have you. But like, why are we waiting to get the money or get the success to play more? If, if you look at play as meditation, that can only help you. It can only help you and your inner child. play I dare to play more like if you're like fighting for an hour of meditation a day fight for 30 minutes of play and just focus in the play and see what happens I tell this story a lot you're probably tired of hearing it by now but I'll never forget this you know back when I had just started financial shaman which was I want to, Jesus, where are we? So it's this middle of 22. Let's see, 21. No, it was back in 20, actually. It was before I hit the road. Oh, yeah, right around that time. Wow, wow, wow. Time's interesting. Okay, so like two and a half years ago, uh, beginning of 20, right before the pandemic, I was working with like my first couple of clients. And um, like beta testing, basically, and learning and evolving. And I was in a traditional meditation. Like this was a couple hours before, two, three hours before my appointment with them. I was in a traditional meditation and it said, go get a jigsaw puzzle, my heart said. And I was like, what? Why? Just go do it. All right. You know, back then I was just practicing learning to listen to my heart and follow it. So it was still like... I still question, why? Why the fuck would I do that? Um, Went and got the puzzle. Started putting it together. And my ego started to freak out. It started to freak out. 
Um, the first thing it said was, is this what you want to do with your life? Like, I was like, I'm putting a fucking puzzle together. What the hell are you talking about? That was obviously programming from my parents, right? Talking about, oh, you've been playing video games for three hours. Is this what you want to do with your life? Like, obviously not. I'm just playing, you fucking weirdos. That, that's mean. They're just, they were brainwashed too, you know? Same, same brainwashing of workaholism, which they passed down to me. So, um... Uh, so then I just was like, wow, that's fascinating. I kept putting the puzzle together about an hour to an hour and a half in on the puzzle. Um, my ego was freaking the fuck out. And it said, uh, what did it say? It was something like, something like if if I'm not working, I'm going to die. Like basically to work is to survive. And I was like, wow, that is crazy. All from putting a jigsaw puzzle together, you're freaking out? That's how much of the brainwashing is, you know, the workaholism has been brainwashed into me? Um, and then lo and behold, this is one reason I usually tell the story, is because when the very, like right after that, when I had the appointment with those, those uh, the, my first couple clients, um, she had the exact same belief system that that's what we needed to look at is to work is to survive. If I don't produce, I'm worthless. And that's what we had to go to work on. So it not only exposed it in me, but it also gave me a heads up as to what I'm going to need to look at with this other person. Right? So I dare you to incorporate some more play into your life as a non-traditional meditation. As I just touched upon, let's move on to the next one. Flow. Getting into flow is super important. It Basically what flow means is just being 100% focused on what you're doing. That's all it means. Where your mind isn't running this way and that, thinking about all the shit that you have to do or have done or your past and your future and all that nonsense. It's just being 100% focused on what you're doing. And here's the way you know that you've gone into flow state. Besides that the mind chatter is silenced. um, Is that you lose all sense of time. Like, I'll give you an example again from my own experience. When I write, I'm in flow. And I will just sit and write be like, wow, this is amazing. I love this. And I'll look over. It feels like five minutes. It's been two hours. Maybe, maybe that's a little over an exaggeration. It feels like that has happened, though. But um, it, it, like you just lose all sense of time. It's like, wow, it's an hour and a half I've been writing? Whoa, crazy. That's how you know you're in flow state. What's fascinating about flow state is your heart or soul, or source, or God, or whatever, your heart will not let you into flow state if you're doing what you hate. You're e- it's easier to get into flow doing what you love. Right? Now, yeah, you can get into flow doing mundane tasks like scrubbing a toilet or washing the dishes or something, but the easier it is to get into flow means you're doing what you love to do. Right? The more you love what you're doing, the more you're lost, and time and space is gone. I mean, lost in a good way, not lost in a bad way. What the heck? 
I just, sorry. Something just stabbed my foot. Okay. Okay. So flow. Um. If you have to wonder how to get into some flow, just follow your highest excitement. Just do what you love to do. You'll never get into flow doing what you hate because you're not, the universe doesn't want you to do what you hate. So it's not gonna make it easier on you, right? Think about if you were, it was easy to do what you hated to do, then you'd be doing it more often. That's not what it wants. Remember always, to get in flow, you got to be doing what you love or loving what you do in some way, shape, or form. It just means being 100% focused on what you're doing, which is a non-traditional meditation because you're completely in the now. Future and past fall away, and so does time. That's meditation. All right. Ooh, here we go. Here's another non-traditional meditation for you. Sex. Sexy sex sex. Sex is one of the only times in, the, in our modern society that the average person will be completely focused in the present moment. Very rarely do people having sex think about the future or the past. They don't think about what they gotta do next. They're fucking. This is, this is where they need to be right now, right? This is the best part of their day for a lot of people. There's no need to escape that and think about the future or the past or the ego's game or blah, 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 blah. Now, when it comes to sex, just like with play, the ego can fuck it up. You know, the ego can derail you and um, by, you know, body shaming yourself and be like oh i feel ugly or unsexy or um you know any of that kind of stuff it it could totally make it not fun which is something to pay attention to uh and remember my only rule when it comes to sex only hard rule when it comes to sex no pun intended is it must be consensual that's the only rule only rule when it comes to sex, it must be consensual. And of course, you must obey the laws, uh, the you know, societal boundaries. You can't be having sex outside or, you know, whatever. But whatever the laws are. But like, other than that, other than this, the, obeying the law, the only rule when it comes to sex is it's consensual. Other than that, you can do whatever you want. Go to, go to town. Have a blast. Right? You want to have multiple partners? You want to have role play? You want to have sex swing? I don't whips and chains. Whatever. There's no wrong way to do sex. Again, must be consensual and obey the boundaries, societal boundaries. But other than that, who cares? And here's something I've I, I want to say very very blatantly. I think. My opinion, which everything you're hearing is, is there's no such thing as sex addiction. That's, a, that's bullshit. That's like saying we have a food addiction. There's no such thing as a sex addict. Okay? Here's why. 
Sex is not a basic need of a human. It's not. You can live a full life without it. But sex is a basic need of humanity to keep the species going. Therefore, it is hardwired into our primal senses, our two-dimensional senses, just like the amygdala is looking for danger and kicks the fight, flight, or freeze. Like, that shit is hardwired primarily. Primarily? Primarily. I don't know. You know what I'm saying. It's primal. That shit is hardwired. Same with sex. Okay? So you can't have something that's a basic need of humanity be an addiction. Now, sex can become problematic if it derails you from your heart's calling. If it's distracting you from your heart's calling. If your heart is saying, we need to go write or we need to go create this art today, that's your highest excitement, and then you're like, no, I want to go have sex, that's where it becomes problematic. Other than that, if your heart's in it, go for it. There's no such thing as too much sex because, again, it's a non-traditional meditation. As long as it doesn't distract you from your heart's calling or what you need to do, have as much as you want. How could something that's a basic need be an addiction? The what they're pointing to, anything can be over-exaggerated. Anything can be overdone. Like... If something's just like, okay, if you're, if you have a heart's calling, let's say you're like me and you're a writer, right? And you're playing video games when your heart is saying to like play could be an addiction. You know what I'm saying? Because if your heart is saying we need to go right right now, because I feel the flow and you're like, I'm going to play this video game, then that's sabotage. It becomes self-sabotage if you're not listening to your heart. That's what sex addiction, sex addiction is pointing to, that it becomes self-sabotage if you're not listening to your heart and doing what you need to do. But there's no such thing as sex addiction. That's ridiculous. Same with porn. There's nothing wrong with porn. Two people can sexually having sex on video. How is that bad? If it's consensual and obeying the law and societal boundary, how is that fucking bad? How is masturbation bad? It's literally a part primal. It's primal. It's a basic need. It's like, you're trying to say eating is bad. No, it's a basic need of the body. Food is a basic need. And yes, while it is unique in that it's not, you don't need it, to be fulfilled, it's not a basic need of a human, it's a basic need of humanity, which gives it a little bit of a, kind of an asterisk of basic needs. It's like a floating basic need. But why would watching someone make food be bad? That's the same as watching porn. The only way things become problematic with play or sex or anything is if it's distracting you or dissuading you from going, following your heart and doing what you're put on this earth to do. But luckily, your heart will never ask you to do what it wants you to do all day long. So you'll have plenty of time for play and sex and flow and whatever, and meditation. All right, what else we got? Nature. 
You can probably hear the wind around me. Being in nature, alone in nature, that's important. Being alone in nature is a non-traditional meditation. If, of course, you're staying present. Nature has its own vibration, its own frequency. Right? Mother Gaia emits a certain feel. And when you're alone in nature and bringing your conscious awareness back to the present moment, when you feel it wander, you will attune to that frequency and it will feel like home. It will feel like where we come from feel like unconditional love because everything in nature is completely supported at all times at all times everything is completely supported there's plenty of food water energy sunlight right there's insects that are like little nano nanobots like Gaia's nanobots is doing everything there's birds eating those insects the circle of life it's so beautiful it's so harmonious Being in nature reminds you of home. Feeling the wind on your skin. Hearing the crickets. There's this great scene from Interstellar. I'm not, this is not a spoiler alert. You don't have to see the movie, but there's uh, these people are, you know, astronauts and they're, it's, you know, futuristic and whatever. It's not <clears throat> based in the, like, current technology. And so, you know, they're out away from, uh, away from Earth for, for several years. And um, one of the guys is kind of, like, freaking out and agitated and, like, just having a real hard time. And Matthew McConaughey's character gives him an MP3 player and he puts, puts in the headphones and it's nature. And he immediately relaxes. Just sounds of nature. My favorite place in the world is at the beach. And I swear, when I hear ocean waves, when I just concentrate on that feeling... Feels like home. There's so much, there's so much about vitamin D through the skin, about grounding with your feet on grass or, or, or you know, earth and uh, d- jumping into a lake or being in water, in nature's water. You know, water is nature. I mean, you could be in a pool, it doesn't matter. Just, you know, chlorine and stuff. But in, you know, being on a river, just the more time you spend in nature, you can't help but remember who you are. I'm crying because I'm so in love with this planet. If that's not a new age hippie, I don't know what what is.
could you do your traditional meditation practice? Let's say it's an hour a day. Could you do it outside? Here, that's a great, that's a great. Someone asked me, should I do my meditation inside or outside? And I said, what's the difference? What's the difference? The idea is you're focusing on the now, the inner world. You're letting go of thought. You're completely present. Nature can be distracting if you're focusing on all the stuff. But if you're centered in your heart, then it doesn't matter what's happening around you. You can smell the smells. Be present with it. You're connecting to your heart and remembering the the resonance frequency of everything that's going on around you. But also not being distracted by whatever's going on around you. Not letting it pull your attention away from the inner world or away from the present moment. You can meditate anywhere at any time. All you have to do is be present. Let go of the thought that you're entertaining. Come back to the breath, feel your heartbeat. There's every opportunity to meditate. You can meditate while listening to someone talk, like me. Because all it means is that you're present. 100% not thinking about how to respond or how to integrate what I'm telling you. You're just listening. And not thinking. so afraid of silence we are not it's the ego that's afraid of it (sighs) silence is a master's tool because when you bring silence inside of you which is what we're talking about Oh, there's a little fox. Oh my god, dropped his... Dropped your food, buddy. Got a mouse here. Sorry I startled it. Wow, big old, big old tail. Silence, when it's brought inside, cuts through the ego, to the core of who you are. When you use it in conversations, 
you can listen to an extent you have never listened before. Me personally, I love awkward silences in conversations. Because I'm so comfortable in the silence. Most people are not, so they freak out. And they'll do anything to fill the, the void or just walk away. Just, let's just be for a second. Can we just take the time to be? your heart. Breathe. The last type of non-traditional meditation I want to talk about is rest. Rest is different from sleep. All sleep is rest, but not all rest is sleep. Rest is probably the least used non-traditional meditation there is, but the most needed. How many people do you think there are that need more rest, but do nothing to prioritize it because of the brainwashing of the workaholism? rest you know I'm working with an apprentice right now apprentice is someone who's walking the path of mastery as I am and has taken on this gargantuan task of defeating the ego and what I notice is when we start on brainwashing them their body cries out for rest to the point where they can't even push themselves beyond it. They just have to sleep. I've had to tell her, 
She's like, I can't, I can't do anything. I can't get out of bed. I'm so unproductive. I'm like, good. You're listening to your body. It needs rest. You've pushed it for 40 years and never given it rest. Can you just relax? Can you just sit and do nothing? I mean, what is traditional meditation anyway? You sit and do nothing. Yes, of course, you bring your conscious awareness back to your breath and back to your heart. Let go of thought. But that's all internal. You're actually sitting and doing nothing. Which is why the ego freaks out so much. So can you just sit and do nothing? Maybe with your eyes open? You can see rest as eye open. Traditional meditation, if you want. Open eye meditation. You know what I always find funny? Is I've met people that are you know, very, very old. I'm talking about like beyond the average, like 90 to 100 plus. And I'll never forget, I met this guy. And he moved so slowly. Everything was slow. He talked slow. He moved slow. And I thought at first it was because he was old. But then I saw it was deliberate. He was like a turtle. He was in no rush to do anything. It's not because he was retired or any of that stuff and had money. It's not, it had nothing to do with that. He moved slow because there was no urgency. Because he, ne- he, didn't, he never pushed his body. Be- and he was a completely healthy, too. Blew his doctor's minds away. And he was completely healthy because he moved at the speed of nature. Nature is never in a hurry to do anything. Because there is no hurry. There's no rush. There's no urgency. It was as if he was in a constant state of rest, even though he was moving. I mean, think about it like this. Stress is the number one killer, by far, hands down, number one killer of all humans. Stress. Which would mean the number one cure that's needed on this planet is ease. If you're resting and you're giving your body and and soul... that time to just be I mean there's a reason why most states in the US you have to have a break every few hours because you go nuts if you constantly work but there's no breaks no gaps no rest I mean look at sports the highest paid, not that that has anything to do with it, the, 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 high, like the, the best athletes in the world have an off-season. The best athletes in the world, whether well, it's baseball, basketball, football, doesn't matter, hockey, the best athletes in the world, they take time 
off to rest. Thank God for sleep so that you're forced to rest your body. That's the only way it can repair itself is if you stop using it. I dare you to rest. Call it eye-open meditation if you want. I dare you to listen to your body if it's crying out for rest. But no, Larry, you don't understand. I got to get this done. Your body says you don't. You better check in with your heart and see what it says. If you don't have the energy to do something, why are you trying to force it? When you're in alignment with the universal energy, you get into flow and things happen magically. So why would you be forcing it? Why are you on your timetable and not the universe's? Rest. Rest. You know, I always think about when I think about rest. Every single fucking time you go to the doctor, if you're hurt, if you have a disease, I don't care what it is, they always say you need tons and tons of bed rest. You can give that to yourself right now. Which is always so fascinating to me because. You can't rest in a hospital. It's like they don't even listen to what they're saying. Why do you have to wake me up in the middle of the night when I'm in a hospital? So stupid. Anywho. Where are we going? Why are we in a hurry to get somewhere? Where are we going? Why are we at our timetable? Why can't we play a little more? What, like, if it took you 10 years to get to your, the, your dream, and you could get there in seven if you pushed really, really hard. But if you did it in 10, you would have fun, play, rest, tons of memories, and you'd be in a line with the universal energy, the speed of nature. Wouldn't you want that rather than to get there fast and possibly burn yourself out, your mind and body? Why, why, why is everything so fucking urgent? Remember, we're studying the frequency of abundance here. And patience is the abundance of time. Take some time for yourself. Switch up your meditation, try something different. See if it shakes things up, see if it settles you down. I hope something I've said has helped you here today. We are different birds in the same tree Different clouds in the same sky, different fish in the same ocean. My unconditional love to you. Be gentle with yourselves and everyone else. Good journey, my friends.